Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's Writer Than You. It's Doug Williams here on CBS Sports Radio filling in for Bill Ryder. And, and boy, we have a lot to talk about. Finally, it feels like uh, it's been a slow couple months in the sports world. And there's some stories, but mostly there's stories just built for what you're doing, which is listening and talk radio and easy things to have takes on. And, boy, do I have plenty of them. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios, whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. we got a good show coming up for you. Ross Tucker joins us at 11 a.m. to talk all things NFL. You know he's going to bring it. He always does. Tom DiStelcino is here with us. Um, And let me start with this. I I am not... um, your average Durant hater. I am sure since this news broke that uh, you've all heard he uh, is now saying, hey, you know that trade I asked for? Well, it's either that or, you know, fire everybody. Fire Sean Marks. Fire Steve Nash. Uh, that's that's how I'm going to end up happy. That's Kevin Durant speaking. Okay. Um, you've heard that, and you know that Twitter doesn't like it. You know what people are saying. Let me give you some background here. Um, I am not just another guy here to bash him. I'm the guy who was bashing all of you for bashing him a couple months ago. I'm the guy who was saying uh, that he has made every correct decision throughout his NBA tenure, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. But you know that, that, that friend you have, maybe it's a best buddy where you're like, I'm always going to have your back. I'm always going to have your back, man. Whatever happens, like, I'm going to have your back, right, wrong. And then that buddy does something where you're like, <laughs> you're on your own, man. You're on your own with this. There's always that that breaking point, right? That That's where I feel like in my relationship with Kevin Durant that matters to nobody but myself, that's where I feel like I am with him. Here's w- – w- I was describing a second ago why I think – He's been right to do a lot of what he's done. Um, and here's what I mean by that. I, After he uh, asked out of Brooklyn, I made the point that every uh, career decision he's made in his career, I would have made too. And I think it's important for all of us to analyze them one by one. I think he was right to leave OKC when he did because realistically, if I think about it as myself, I would have left OKC when he did. I think he was right to choose Golden State because guess what? We were the ones all telling him he's got to go win a championship. He's got to go win an NBA title. He's never going to be up on that mantle unless he does. He knows. That's the way we talk about the NBA. We are partially to blame for him doing that. So he goes to Golden State. I'm fine with it. And you may all disagree with this next point, but he goes to Brooklyn to try and win on his own because we were telling him to do that then. 
He went to, you know, he goes to take the easy way out in Golden State. That's not good enough for us. So we say, go win a title on your own. He says, look, the Nets are always going to be the little brother than the Knicks for some reason in the city of New York. I'll go win a title there on my own. Now, his mistake was picking Kyrie Irving to bring along for the ride. That's a whole different story. But you may disagree with this. I think he was right to use his power to try and get out of Brooklyn. So that's where I'm coming from when I say I have defended this guy in every way. I thought, look, just ask yourself, sitting, listening right now, would you have been happy to keep playing as a Brooklyn Net if you were Kevin Durant? If you knew you had the power to change it, even under contract, would you really not have done it? Because it's easy for us to sit here on Twitter and say, hey, man, you got to reap what you sow. You signed up for it. You know, you signed the contract. You decided to do it. You got to live with the consequences. Okay, well, he doesn't. At least in his mind, he didn't think he had to. It's like, why would I not go for a better situation? Life is short. I want to win. I want to be happy. I, I did not have a big problem with that, and I thought there was nuance to it that I didn't hear a lot of other places. Now? Now? For him to come out and say... He knows how this is all going to work out, right? He knows the position he's put the Nets in. By asking for a trade in an offseason where there are few, if any, takers right now for his services, there are few, if any, teams that can make a package work to get Durant. So he's basically saying, okay, fine. I've seen that it's going to be tough for you to trade me. If you don't, here's what needs to happen. And a lot of people, I am not the first to make the point that Durant now wants to fire the coach that he basically asked the Nets to install, to hire. It's a new level of selfishness. It's a new level of lack of self-awareness, though. There are, there's a lot of power here. There's a lot of selfishness here. There's a lot of, you know, what we don't love about Kevin Durant, at least publicly. But it's the lack of self-awareness that I really don't get. He wants Sean Marks, the GM who acquired you, to be fired. The guy who has carried to his every need to be fired. The guy who put you and Kyrie Irving together because you wanted that to be fired. The guy who hired Nash because you wanted that to be fired. The guy who traded for Harden because it gave you a better chance at a championship to be fired. If you, Kevin, I know you're listening because you listen to Writer Than You every weekday, 10 to 12. Kevin, if you don't like the direction of the team, that's your own direction. Like I picture like a, like a thriller or horror movie where Kevin Durant, you know, finishes some long diatribe or he's, he's on some rant in the mirror about Sean Marks and how, oh, like I just... I, I don't know how I got myself surrounded in this bad situation. Everyone needs to go but me. And then he looks in the mirror and realizes he is Sean Marks. He is Steve Nash. He is all of these people. He has dug his own grave. And I was willing to sit here a couple months ago, speaking to this very microphone, and tell you that he was right to be doing everything that he was doing. And now I feel foolish because it just turned out that he's irrational. It just turned out that he doesn't understand how responsible he is for where he is. It's all on you, man. And you're not going to get any sympathy from anybody out there. Because let me tell you this, and this, is, this goes to a broader point than just Kevin Durant. 
But the, the biggest problem with where we're going, mostly in the NBA but in all of sports, with the players having all this power, is that GMs are GMs for a reason. There's a reason that we usually see GMs in their 40s and 50s after a long career in front offices get the job. Because they're good at it. Because they understand what they're doing. Because they know there's a formula to winning. Because they understand salaries. Because they understand personalities. Because they understand basketball or whatever sport in front office that they're in. They understand as much as they can without being a player. They're not going to get out there and write X's and O's on a clipboard. That's not their job. They know their role. Jerry Jones is invo- as involved as an owner can possibly be in a team. He's not down there on the sidelines telling them which place to call. At least I don't think so. So know your role. If you're Kevin Durant, take a step back. Realize that you can still have the power and all the money in the world that you deserve. He deserves it because we're watching because of him, not because of the front offices. But if you know your role and you realize, okay, there are people in place to make these decisions. There are front offices. <laughs> there's a front office that's fully capable in Brooklyn of making decisions if I let them. But we can't even judge these front offices these days because the, the players don't give them any power. Because the, the power has gone fully and it's fully shifted to them. And Kevin Durant is going to make the Nets look bad. You can blame the Nets all day long for trying to build the way they have, for trying to build a team around Kyrie Irving and around Kevin Durant and and bringing in James Harden. You can say all of those decisions were, you know, not totally rational. It was never the best chance at winning a title, but at least they tried. And by the way, we'll never really know how it would have worked out if these millionaire upon millionaire players weren't meddling in everything. So it's official, Kevin. You've turned me into everybody else. I was I was out there. I was trying so hard to defend you and to tell people that think deeper, but not just think deeper, put yourself in his size 18 shoes and realize that you would have done a lot of the same things that Kevin Durant has done in your career if you were him. That was basically my point, but now I can't defend you anymore, and I'd be surprised if anybody can You're a great player, but you've tarnished your own legacy by caring way too much what other people think about you, by being way too online, by being way too on Twitter, and just by going legacy first and trying to make your own decisions in places where you're just not qualified to make them. It's it's maddening if you're a fan of the NBA that goes back decades and you remember what it was like to watch teams grow. Watch maybe teams draft well. Watch what the Warriors have done. It's going to be harder and harder for that to happen if this power dynamic continues to exist. Because as the years go by and the contracts get bigger and bigger and they mean less and less, if signing on the dotted line continues to mean absolutely nothing to the players, to the other teams, to anybody who's willing to trade for them, head coaches are getting fired like that because a superstar player doesn't like him. So we can't judge. I, I know the Nets are, are getting the brunt of it, and, and obviously Kevin Durant is an easy outrage target right now too, but there's a lot of disappointed Net, Net fans that they attach themselves to this. How are they supposed to know that this level of of player GM was going to come up and not just that it would, 
you know, that it would happen, but that it would go so poorly. I don't know. I mean, Tom, what do you think? Do you think that I was set up to fail by defending KD a couple months ago and that this was always going to be the outcome, that he was always going to stay put and, and try and have it your way, but in Brooklyn? I'm with you. I wanted this to work. I think now when you give ownership an ultimatum, there's no way. Joe Sy came out, owner of the Brooklyn Nets yesterday, tweeted he has his coaches back. He has his front offices back. I don't know where you go from here if you're Kevin Durant. He's going to have to get traded. Well, well, here's the thing. I didn't mention the Joe Sy tweet because I thought it was that I thought it was that meaningless, and it's not a slight to him. But what is he going to say? He so, has nothing to say until he makes a decision. But He either trades Kevin Durant or decides not to. But that tweet is not him deciding not to trade Kevin Durant. Like, he will have his team's back. He'll have his, his coach's back. He'll have uh, the Nets' interests front of mind. But what's, what's the best thing he can do for the Brooklyn Nets? and his ownership stake is win a championship. What's the best way for him with a very constricted situation to do that? It's probably to keep Kevin Durant, right? Can you see a scenario in which he trades Kevin Durant and wins a NBA title next year? Uh, no, right. no, no. So if what he cares about is winning, we're going to in two weeks or three weeks or a month or two months look back at that tweet and know what it actually meant, which was uh, Kevin has tied my hands behind my back. I support Steve Nash. Maybe I can try and sit him down and work this out. But if not, at the end of the day, I got to try and win. That's unfortunately the situation. And I feel bad for Steve Nash and all this dancing, doing his TikToks, trying to enjoy his life. I mean, not that he has a bad life. He's got a good life still. But I don't know. So you still think he's getting dealt? I think we're between a rock and a hard place in Brooklyn. I think, I don't know that Kevin Durant wants to be a Brooklyn net anymore. No, he, he, why would he? This No, I, I agree. So I just, I don't know how you come to a solution from everyone involved. Well, what's funny is he must know. I was saying how bad he is at being a GM, clearly. But he must know that there aren't that many options out there. So by by saying to Joe Sy that, okay, if you want me to stay, here's what I need, he probably knows that that's the most realistic outcome. He probably knows that, oh, man, like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get traded. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get what I want. So he goes out and says, okay, if that doesn't happen, here's what needs to happen. And it's just a weird power trip. Like, it's just a strange thing for him to ask for because, uh, I'm not sure when Steve Nash became the problem. And by the way, why why would Steve Nash be so important to KD? What KD knows exactly what he wants. I just it, it's a weird thing where he's saying basically, if I do stay, I want it to look completely different. I'm not sure it's about Sean Marks. I'm not sure if it's about Steve Nash. He may just be at a place in his life where he's just completely irrational, has lost his sense of reality. I think you nailed it right there. Where was this weeks ago? This trade request is not new. This has been going on for weeks and weeks. Yeah, we've heard rumblings. Maybe Miami is interested. Maybe this team is interested. I think Kevin sees the writing on the wall. Like you said, I got to try and change my current situation. 
because I don't think I'm going to a different situation. Yeah, it's like when you realize you're going to stay in the same apartment or the same house, but you want to change all the furniture around you. It's You want to feel better about your decision because you, maybe you can't afford something else or maybe you're, you're, you were trying to move, but you lost out on a house and you got outbid and you're like, well, I, I, would, I do want to change my life, but I can't change it that drastically. I got to stay here, so I have to switch something up. That's, I guess, what Kevin Durant's doing, but it just feels unfair to just play with the livelihoods of, of I mean, two guys who are very well off in Sean Marks and Steve Nash, but still, they're not deserving of this type of treatment. Um, we we have so much NFL to discuss because this is one of my favorite times of the year in the NFL. First of all, just in general, summer's still going on. It feels like we're still having long days and nights, um, but we get training camp starting up, and we get overreactions to things. And I love to do that. I hope you like to listen to it as well. And there's a there's a quarterback in the NFL that the general public seems to think is good. Um, I'm not so sure we have enough proof of that. It's Doug Williams here on Writer Than You, CBS Sports Radio. We'll be back after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Doug Williams filling in for Bill Ryder here on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4227, 855-212-4CBS. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help you troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. You know, whenever I am concerned about something, whenever I I need someone to make me feel better, I have a worry and I need to be talked off the ledge, I go to Bill Belichick. He, I think he he adds warmth to every conversation. He adds nuance. He, he gives us a complex way to think of something. I'm kidding, of course. He's a genius kind of behind closed doors. We get glimpses not very often. And right now, I, I, um, I've been following very closely the intrigue, the chaos um, going on in New England and with their training camp because right now their offense is not doing well. It's not playing well from all reports. Reports out of camp are not good, specifically with Mac Jones, specifically with their team offensively. Um, and look, I think let's let the the warm bath of Bill Belichick's voice make us all feel better and tell us just how much we should be panicking. Are you comfortable with the progress that you're making so far in terms of stealing an offense, getting the players to learn what needs to be done here so you'll be able to move ahead consistently? At different points in time, we kind of take stock of where we are and decide whether we want to add more in this area or add more in that area or you know whatever it happens to be and so we try to do the things that we think are most important most necessary that'll help us win and that's just kind of what we do so that's not really a um you know you, you can get everything in and not execute it very well or you can get in less and hopefully do it better uh that's usually the way it works uh and or there's somewhere in between and 
I'd say usually we fall somewhere in between. Don't get in everything we want, but feel like the things that we can do, um, you know, at least we're doing it at a competitive level. I'm saying it's great, but it's, you know, at least we can go out there and do it. So, um, so we'll see. I hope that no one just turned on the radio during that and thought that that was the host of this program and was like, oh my gosh, this is the most boring talk radio show I've ever heard. That was just Bill Belichick kind of talking about his offense. And by the way, he kind of, you could hear in the middle of that, that he kind of wanted to say, this isn't anything new. This isn't a hot take. This isn't me saying, you know, we may need to add around Mac Jones because he's playing poorly in camp. He's describing his philosophy in general of how he's been running the Patriots for decades. Um, but you know, sometimes when, when you know, you have a close friend, somebody, somebody, a confidant, and somebody asks you a question, and the answer is painful. You know, it it hits you right where it hurts. And you know, is this person right for you? Are you happy, or do you want to change? And and you've been hiding from the answer for a long time, so that just the asking of the question feels profound. Well, Pat's fans, do you want to answer this question? Are you sure Mac Jones is really that good? That would be my question to you. Because, again, um, reports out of camp aren't just bad. They're, they're very bad. We've, the beat writers and the bloggers are just doing their job. They tell us what happens on these plays, whether it's you know uh, passes in the flat that are either incomplete or basically intercepted. You've got um, he, he doesn't handle pressure very well, and they don't have a lot of skill position players around him. Bill Belichick, we put so much behind him, and we know that he's a football genius. So when an offseason goes by and we say, Devontae Parker, okay, I guess you've got enough uh, around Mac Jones, who's a good young quarterback, to make it work. Well, um, the answer might not always be yes to those things. And here, I guess, is the bigger point with Mac Jones, and I know that I just kind of took a shot at him. But it's less about, look, I could go through his stats in his rookie year all day long, and they're impressive and they're good. But it amazes me, and I'm curious if you all agree, 855-212-4227, it amazes me how much of a difference circumstances make for how we view young quarterbacks. So if you think about Mac Jones, if he was a super, super, super highly touted athletic prospect, if he was, let's say, drafted first overall, had the expectations of the world on him, then a game like what we saw on December 6th of last year against the Bills in which he attempted three passes, in which he was allowed to attempt by Bill Belichick three passes, um, that would have been a big deal. If, If he was known as being the guy, if he was supposed to be the next Tom Brady, if that's what people were saying with a straight face, if that's what you could say rationally, then we'd say, well, why in a big game, even in bad weather against the Bills, would you take the ball out of his hands so consistently? But um, it's, it amazes me how much the context of his situation matters in how we discuss it. It's because it's Bill Belichick. Because he was drafted 15th overall, because he had kind of that doughy body coming out of college that Tom Brady had, because he's so clearly not perfect, because he's limited athletically um, in an era where no quarterback comes out of the draft limited athletically. But he's in a system that we believe in deep down in our core. We see the Patriots. We see Belichick. We see Tom Brady in our minds. We give him. We give this system. We give Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt. And again, there's proof of concept here. I'm not saying that 
uh, Mac Jones is wildly overrated and that he didn't play well last year. Of course he did. You know, the Patriots in, in a lot of ways had no business being a playoff team. They, they were relying heavily on a rookie quarterback and he stood up there and he was effective and at times very, very good for them. But keep in mind where we are. We're going in a year two with a very much athletically compromised player at a position where every player who gets drafted for the most part, especially in first and second rounds, has some sort of athletic gift and talent that, let's say, 20 years ago, quarterbacks weren't getting drafted with. If we imagine how different we'd feel reading these training camp stories with the Patriots if we didn't have Tom Brady to point to, and you may not be thinking about it every second where it's like, well, I'm, I, you know, Mac Jones is his own player now. The Patriots don't have Tom Brady anymore. Move on. It's the, he's with the Bucs. He's going to retire, and then Bill Belichick gets to prove if this is all about him. Well, Tom Brady's still a big part of this conversation because we've always just thought Mac Jones could slide so seamlessly in here with Bill Belichick, let's face it, doing basically the bare minimum around him, and it would somehow work because it did for years with Tom Brady. Bill won so many years with Tom. Would we really be as high on Mac Jones after year one as we are if it weren't for his context and his situation, the team that drafted him, the fact that we inherently trust that Bill Belichick will do the right thing? Is it fair for us to use Brady, of all people, as evidence that Mac Jones and Bill Belichick will work? We just, in my opinion, do not have enough. There's not enough on paper. We do not have enough proof of concept that Mac Jones works, that he can win despite the lack of skill position players around him. And for me, you know, he's just a lot of Patriots fans. I saw this mixture on Twitter yesterday of people saying it's time for us. I legitimately saw a serious tweet that Patriots fans want people to move on from Bill Belichick because they think he's cocky. They think he realizes that he's, you know, he, he can do whatever he wants because he's a genius. That does bother some Patriots fans, but for the most part, I saw a lot of fans saying, you know, like, stop overreacting. Every beat writer being so negative, telling us what's happening. Let's face it. The writers, the bloggers from these training camps are just telling us what's happening. They, sometimes they frame it in certain ways. I get it. But everything we're hearing right now from the Patriots, especially offensively, is not good. And you heard Bill Belichick earlier talk for like a minute on this show straight. It wasn't just a compilation of an entire press conference. It was one answer. It was very boring. He said very little of actual su substance. But um, still, you can tell there's a little something there with him. And this is a story to watch as camp moves forward. Um, even with Mac Jones' struggles, there's no quarterback competition, obviously, in New England. There also isn't a quarterback competition in Carolina. I'll tell you why, but first, Andrew Bogish, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Doug Williams filling in for Bill Ryder here on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4227. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Doug Williams TV. You know, it's funny. I'm talking to our producer, Tom uh, DiCelestino. Coming into the show, and this morning, you know, he hits me up about this story out of Buffalo about how, you know, Von Miller is trying to recruit his now former teammate Odell Beckham Jr. to Buffalo. And, and Tom, I thought it was interesting that in your proposed rundown for the show, it was like the take must be that, you know, Vaughn should put down the phone and not hit up Odell and that the Bills with the best roster in the NFL, the Super Bowl favorites, should steer very clear. Now, I feel like that take is like two or three years old, though. I mean, we just saw Odell on his way potentially to Super Bowl MVP before he tore his ACL. So I'm shocked that there are still people out there who feel that way, that a team torpedoes as soon as Odell Beckham Jr. is part of it. For me, it's all about risk reward. The ceiling is really high with OBJ. I I can't fault you there. Absolutely in love with his talent. We saw the Rams. He went into a team. Now, granted, had a lot of star players. As do the Bills. As do the Bills. Vegas is telling us they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. They obviously have talent up and down that roster. OBJ was able to fall in line for half of a season and a playoff run. Able to do his job, play a role. Obviously, that team had Cooper Cup. He was not the number one target. I still don't think it's worth it. If you're the Bills, you have talent around Josh Allen. It's there. Why risk it? He absolutely, in my opinion, is still capable of ruining a franchise. Was it all his fault in Cleveland? No, it absolutely was not. There were other pieces around him. Was it all his fault in New York? No, absolutely not. But we can't lie to ourselves. He was part of the problem. He was. So, but to me, the more relevant thing to 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 look at is his time with the Rams. And keep in mind that if he doesn't go down awkwardly and doesn't hurt his knee, and granted, that should be a part of this conversation about whether he's going to be the same player. He's got some tread on that tire suddenly. And we don't know if he's going to be that deep threat that he's always been. But he went to a situation that was win now. And that's a phrase that we don't often use in the NFL, but the Rams went after it. I mean, talk about Von Miller. They surrounded Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, with as much talent on both sides of the ball as they possibly could. Odell goes there, and it made Cooper Cup better. That's what I liked about that situation specifically, was that Cooper Cup can be anything. That's what makes him so great. He can go out for five-yard out routes, um, and he can be a deep threat wide receiver. And in the Super Bowl specifically, covering both of them was impossible for the Bengals to do. So in my opinion, the old stories about Odell being a team cancer and Odell being a good way to torpedo your locker room, whatever, is trumped by the fact that if Odell was on the Bills, who already have Crowder and Davis and obviously Stephon Diggs, it makes it harder to cover all of them, Dawson Knox included, 
and suddenly you have a problem offensively, not that you don't already, but I just don't look at him like a distraction anymore because the proof of concept is there. He just won a Super Bowl that he may very well have won MVP in if he didn't get hurt. I'm with you on the field. He makes the Buffalo Bills an absolute juggernaut on offense. My concerns are off the field. Something happening in the locker room. And Odell has never been the type to to get in trouble. I don't I don't mean it that way. I just mean sometimes he can he can get in his own way. On the field, I don't worry about him. Yes, injury concerns and certainly coming off a big time injury in the Super Bowl. I'm just concerned that the team dynamic. Buffalo has a good thing going. I don't think I don't frankly think they need him. I don't yeah, think it's worth I mean, it. You could make the argument that they don't need him. You could make the argument that it's not worth it. Why bring a guy in in the middle of camp or even after that, you know, upsets what's already a a clearly well-run system. And a lot of it depends on what Josh Allen wants to do. And, you know, it's funny um, looking around at these camps right now, how lucky you must feel if you're a fan of a team with just a rock-solid quarterback situation um, like the Buffalo Bills. You know, if you know you found your guy and, you know, the, the there's been so much this offseason about price tags with Kyler Murray and the, the details of his contract and Lamar Jackson, we'll talk about that later and why he still doesn't have a contract. But if you're a fan of a team that is in flux, there's just nothing worse because you don't know whether to take your team seriously. You don't know what the future holds, because if you're decent, you're not going to draft one through five overall and get a next franchise quarterback from the draft, most likely. And so you're left every two or three years starting over. And that, what I'm describing, has to feel very, very familiar to any Carolina Panthers fans that are listening. Um, But what I have found really interesting and very surprising has been over the course of the past week, you know, I've listened to some talk shows where people say, Oh, wow. It sounds like uh, the job's already Baker Mayfield's to lose. Wow. You know, it sounds like Baker Mayfield's going to be the guy. And I truly, truly do not understand how any of you are acting surprised that Baker Mayfield's already the favorite to start and win the job. I don't get it. We know what we have to know for this conversation to be very, very simple. We could have all predicted how this would happen, and here's why. Matt Rule, of any coach maybe other than Mike McCarthy going into this year, uh, has a ton of pressure on him to win. And, yeah, McCarthy's situation is different with the Cowboys because he might have to win a Super Bowl to keep his job over Sean Payton. But Matt Rule, the, the shine is worn off. And in order for him to keep his job in order for the Panthers to continue to believe that he's their guy. He needs to win. So rule doesn't care, nor should he, if the Panthers can find a taker for Sam Darnold rule doesn't care, nor should he how much money he makes and that he's going to make a lot. I think it's $18 million. which is a lot of money for a backup quarterback to make. He cares who's better at the position. Who, who gives the Panthers right now a better chance to win? The answer to that question has always been Baker Mayfield. It was Baker over Jacoby Brissett before they decided to finally get rid of Baker in Cleveland. It's Baker over Darnold in Carolina. 
Here's what we know about the situation. Do not let half a season of hobbled and very injured Baker Mayfield cloud your memory of what this guy can do. He's a gunslinger. He does occasionally make bad decisions. He came into a terrible situation in Cleveland that was not set up for success. Talk about the opposite of Mac Jones that we were talking about in our last segment. He came into a team that hadn't won a game. The guy was coached by Hugh Jackson. He succeeded despite all of this, despite having different OCs, despite having different head coaches. He had granted in Cleveland, especially the last three or so years in his time there, a very talented roster. They've had talent and Miles Garrett, and they've built around him in his time there. So it wasn't like he arrived on a roster that had just won zero games and gone 0-16, and suddenly they were better only because of him. Yes, they built through the draft. They drafted well. They had talent. Nick Chubb helped. Odell Jarvis Landry, skill position players, helped. But at the same time, think about what he did. He's accomplished things as a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's the point. He had all the pressure on him coming out of that draft year with Darnold. He was taken one overall, undersized, undervalued, world of the weight on his shoulders, weight of the world, I should say, and he made it work. The best of Baker Mayfield is so far beyond the best of Sam Darnold. And it's not like I'm just telling you the future. I'm not predicting anything here. I'm telling you what we've seen. Forget what Baker Mayfield can be or might be for the Panthers. Forget what Sam Darnold can be. Maybe he hasn't been yet. Forget all of that. What about what we've already seen them be? What about, you know, before we saw the injured Baker Mayfield with his shoulder issue and not being able to get the ball past the line of scrimmage? Wow, he is really undersized. The D lineman, all they have to do is jump up with their hand in the air. Before all of that, he was a legitimate Starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. You've never been able to say that about Sam Darnold. And in New York, Jets fans, year after year, were grasping at something. Something. Give us something. There's glimpses. Wow, you know, the rushing touchdowns. He does have the ability to get outside the pocket and give you that kind of like, you know, he's he's got size. He's 6'3", but, you know, he reminds you a little Big Ben, the way he can kind of, without, you know, with the limited athleticism, he can make things happen. It's always been hypothetical with Sam Darnold. I'll tell you, will will not be hypothetical for Matt Rule. Baker's a good starting quarterback. Darnold is what gets head coaches fired. He will continue to do so until somebody hands him the clipboard full time and says, "This is your role." And again, this is the problem with expectations. Nothing necessarily against Sam Darnold, but since he came into the league. In New York, it was always how the Giants were idiots to draft a running back in front of Sam Darnold. He was going to be a franchise quarterback, face of the franchise. That has not worked. It's done. It's over. We're past it. Four and nine in his rookie year. Seven and six. That's when Jets fans started to feel really good after 2019. Then, boom, 2020 hits. He goes two and ten. Four and seven first year in Carolina. Carolina last year should have been an easy place for him with very little pressure on him to win, to play every single game, to be the guy. And suddenly at the end of the year, things go south. Why? Because we've seen it before with him. 
the underrating of Baker Mayfield is something I've been talking about all offseason because it's been relevant all offseason. The Browns decided to do something truly asinine, ridiculous, and stupid and give Deshaun Watson that contract. Now, granted, you want to make the argument that they just decided not to settle, that they wanted to make a play for somebody? Okay, I understand that, but that guy, you're, uh, Deshaun Watson's the guy? Not just to go get him, but to give him that contract, it was ridiculous. But it's been relevant all offseason with Baker because even when he was still technically on the Cleveland Browns roster, he still should have been their starting quarterback. Deshaun Watson was never at least going to play the first 6-12 to games of this season. You knew that when the Browns structured the contract the way they did. I still think there was a way for the two sides to work it out despite everything and realize that, hey, you know, let's come together. Because remember in 2020 when you went 11-5? and when you threw 26 touchdowns and six picks, why, why is it that people out there don't seem to remember that? Why are we talking about Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold in the same breath, in the same sentences, as if it's some sort of competition that they go back and forth? Oh, well, Darnold's been there. Oh, well, he's owed a lot of money. Well, oh, um, you know, Baker Mayfield's new to the system. If you use your eyeballs in Panthers camp, it should be very obvious. And I'm not there every day, and I'm not even that in tune to the the bloggers or the beat writers. I just know what I've seen in the past. One of them is a bona fide starting quarterback in the NFL, and one is not. And I'm surprised by this story, and it continues to surprise me. It surprised me, Tom, when when in Cleveland we talked about this as if it were a done deal, even as much as those two sides hate, hated each other at the end, as, as Baker should have. This feels like a a nothing burger, as they say. Last segment, we talked about the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and I've been baffled all offseason on why they won't name an offensive coordinator. But no story has baffled me more than why we have a quarterback competition in Carolina. This is no competition. This is very easy. You laid it out. Matt Rule has a lot on the line this season. His job is on the line. Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback in that building. I think it's a facade. I think this is not a story. Baker Mayfield, if he's not starting week one for the Panthers, Matt Rule has made his bed. Right. I don't think we get to that point. But as you alluded to, there's there's not much here for me to point to in saying, Sam Darnold, this is why I think he could start. I got nothing to point to. Right. There's there's The proof is in the pudding. And by the way, think about the difference clearly in the decisions that Matt Rule and Bill Belichick have to make, right? Bill Belichick, we're talking about a guy who's basically using Joe Judge in a quasi, like, versatile role, refuses to really replace Josh McDaniels, refuses to move forward offensively because he's had so much success, he believes he doesn't need that formal kind of the usual standard place offensively, uh, in place offensively that other teams use, Matt Rule has all the pressure of the world on him. If Matt Rule doesn't make every decision correctly going into this season, whatever happens then happens. You know, if Baker gets hurt or, you know, if Christian McCaffrey's not the guy anymore. Um, but he needs to set his team up this this training camp. They need to go into camp feeling like they can win. And he's got all the pressure of the world on him. And... You know, I really feel like 
we I'm not just making like a talk radio point here. Um, this decision is just very obvious. And if you're at all surprised, I think you're still thinking of Sam Darnold in a way that he's got potential. But at some point, potential when you're 25 and you have four years in the NFL isn't really valuable in these conversations, you know? And we were in New York. We we saw what happened and how it ended. It's just, it's not a pretty picture. And Carolina might not win anyway, by the way. And Matt Rule may get fired because they don't win and Baker Mayfield still starts. But at the same time, let's just not talk about it like there's quarterback controversy. All right, well, we're going to be joined next by... Ross Tucker, who's going to talk all things NFL. Don't go anywhere. CBS Sports Radio. It's Doug Williams here with you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.